I bought Darkness on the Edge of Town and that, you know, just blew me away. And I was, I knew, like I liked Bruce. I, I knew some of his songs, but I didn't get into him in earnest until I bought a record player and started getting some of those albums and really listening to them. That was around the same time I really got into Tom Waits as well. And that was just one, like, I, I think part of it for me too is that Bruce hit me in a way where he, there, there was so much going on that I enjoyed the musicianship, but I'm also, um, you know, like as we've referenced with the books, I'm a big lyrics guy, like melody and all that's very important, but I really focus a lot on the lyrics and Bruce's, the stories in his songs just really captivated me. And the, I would say, especially like when you're in your early twenties and you're seeking identity and you're seeking sort of these shining lights of, you know, masculinity Bruce was one where I really felt like if I could pattern myself after someone, I would want to pattern myself after Bruce Springsteen. Like he became like an uncle to me in a way, as much as like someone I wanted to emulate as much as I just wanted to listen to his music. I also felt like who he was as a person was something that I felt really drawn to. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Joining me tonight is a fellow podcaster. Uh, we've already talked 20 minutes before I even hit record, so I do not think we will run out of things to say. Uh, Kale, Judy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jesse. Very nice to be here. Yeah, so uh, go, tell us a little about yourself. Well, I am uh, a Canadian. I live up in Vancouver, British Columbia. I am engaged. I have a lot of books. Yes, you do. I just replaced my record player recently, and I've been listening to a lot of vinyl, which has been fun. I have a lot of good friends. I have a lot of friends who love music. It's been a very important touchstone between me and my brother, my sister as well, to a degree, and definitely in my connection with my parents. But especially with my brother, that's been a big one. Um, I have some really good friends who have been big musical influences. And yeah, I just, I really love, I love books. I love music. Uh, I am, I would classify myself as a curious person okay and as we'll talk about later i also host a podcast with my buddy lucas called album versus album where we take an album that either means a lot to us or a guest and something we think is interesting and then we compare it to the rest of the artist catalog and we talk about different aspects of it and then not every episode but occasionally we will do a versus episode we will take two records by the same artist so yeah. we just an episode today where we compared kid a versus amnesiac by radiohead oh nice yeah um so there was um my there's another podcast um, Bruce Springsteen sings the alphabet, which is JB and Rob. And they were talking about the, their podcast is they went through every Bruce, Bruce Springsteen song in alphabetical order, discussing each one. And when they got to Jackson cage, they said, how did Jesse not name his podcast Jackson cage? And I went, because I didn't think of it, you know, I, I'm yelling at the podcast player. That would have been a great podcast name. Um, so in spirit of that, I actually did a couple of cage fight episodes where we picked, um, you know, this land is your land versus um, we shall overcome. And I had a friend, um, Bella Pori is a huge Seeker fan. So we discussed that. We had one of my guys said, let's just do the biggie. Let's talk. Do we pick Thunder Road or Born to Run? Only one can win. 
you know, so I did a series of those and those are fun episodes. Those are fun. So I think that's a fun idea to talk about, you know, what do you, you know, I mean, the, the, obviously you could go to darkness or born to run with Bruce, but you could do some other things that, you know, um, that would be fun. So, well, that's great. Well, I always like to start at the beginning and you've kind of already given me some opening. Um, what kind of music did your family listen to? It sounds like you had a big family and uh, you guys love the music. So talk to me a little about that. Yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, so music in our house was predominantly from my dad. He, he still is he, uh, someone who works with uh, First Nations people up here in Canada. And I grew up in a fairly religious household. I wouldn't say super conservative, but definitely grew up um, in, a, in a Christian home. And, but my dad didn't necessarily just listen to like Christian music, although that was definitely around as well. But I really remember my dad's specificity with the stereo setup. He really cared about having a good record player, like a dual cassette. I remember him making like his own mixtapes of like records he had and, and making stuff from CDs. And that's what we had in the, in the truck. Um, when I was a kid, we, I mostly grew up in the prairies in Saskatchewan. And so that's a lot of long drives and, you know, a lot of flatland and yeah, it was, uh, it was cool. Like my, my dad listened to a lot of folk music. He liked, I thought of it as like B-level folk. Like um, he really loved Simon and Garfunkel. That was where I got introduced to that. Who That was one of the bigger bands he listened to. Um, he really loved Jesse Colin Young. Mm-hmm. V5. I'm just thinking of the old records I have of his. The Mamas and the Papas. Dan Fogelberg. Have you ever heard of him? He, sure. Like Dan Fogelberg, I've got one of his Dan Fogelberg records. And what else? So, just because we always like to share personal things, one of my first girlfriends was adored Dan Fogelberg. Just she adored his music, and so that's how I got to know him. So, yeah, that's that's someone. I guess he died several years ago, but um, I guess most people would know All Lang Syne. That's his, the biggest, I think, hit that you would think of with uh, mm-hmm. Dan Fogelberg. That's a name I hadn't heard in a long time. You mentioned brothers and sisters. Where are you in the pecking order? I'm the oldest brother. So I've got a younger brother, Mason, who's in the middle, then my youngest sister, Sarah. Uh, and they're both in the States. My brother's in Seattle. Mm-hmm. He um, works with uh, a ver- variety of ages in the Seattle School District. Uh, he's a counselor and therapist. And my sister is doing her PhD at Notre Dame. She's uh, in poetry. She's a very talented poet and scholar. So she is, I think, three years into her degree there. But uh, both my parents parents are from the States. So my dad's from Southern California. And my mom's from Vermont. So a lot of family in both those places. So I often, siblings come up a lot on this podcast. Um, I know you had just said you had just discovered the podcast, but and and if you're the older sibling, you're often a big influence on your younger siblings. Their musical, um, their musical influence. I always think of the um, almost famous scene where the the you know our hero looks at the albums that his sister left him, and um, mm-hmm. And then also, if you're the younger, right, you're influenced by the older. So, and also sometimes if you're the younger, you rebel against your older siblings' music. Like, oh, no, 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 I I want my own music. In your case, are you guys have similar music taste or is it a little bit different? We, it sounds a little strange to say, but I wouldn't say I really got into music and buying music and like spending time listening to it until I was like a teenager. It's probably until I was 13 okay. years old was when I started buying CDs and my brother is two and a half years younger and then my sister's five years younger. Uh-huh. And me and my brother really got into music at a fairly similar time. So okay. we, I would say that we, it was a mutual thing. Like we really influenced each other 
he would pair stuff with me. I'd, I'd find stuff with him, but we were also like, you know, we were kind of, uh, you know, we were going to the same fields and picking a lot of the same fruit. Like we both had very similar interests in what we liked. We spent time, I talked to Bob about this from Bed and Scoop. We spent time at like the local Christian bookstore and did find some some cool artists like Pedro the Lion was an early CD that I got. I yeah. pulled a, uh, a punk band called Slick Shoes. Nice. From uh, Tooth and Nail, a Seattle record label. This is 2000, this came out. They had yeah. notable tracks like Angel, Have I Said Too Much, Don't Mess With Texas. This They were great like I guess like a Christian punk band of that time. Do you, do you know what prompted you? Was it uh, was it peer pressure, or why all of a sudden, as you're going into your teenager's year, you had this awareness, this awakening of music and wanting to know more about music? I mean, I think. Well, I don't think. I mean, I know part of it. A big part of it was the fact that we moved when I was 12 from Saskatchewan to Manitoba. And so we had lived in a town of called Broadview of like 500 people, like super tiny prairie town. Yeah. And then we moved to Brandon, Manitoba. And that place was like, I think at the time, 42,000. So okay. the high school, and I also was homeschooled. So we were homeschooled until like I was homeschooled till the ninth grade. So okay. I didn't, you know, I, I had my social graces were, uh, didn't really, were kind of non-existent. I was a pretty, very kind of sheltered, quiet kid who wore a lot of sweatpants and played a lot of Game Boy and did a lot of reading, but didn't, you know, go out a ton. And then when we moved to Brandon, we all decided to start going to public school. And so I started high school and that was my first experience. And that was part of it. I was already into music before that, but moving to Brandon definitely helped bring that to fruition, like help bring music into our lives more because we also had more time, you know, so you're at home sure. and you're like looking for things to, to get into. And obviously like I'd listened to music before and I had some albums that I liked, but I hadn't thought of collecting it or right. making it something that was my own. So definitely even in high school, there was a few years of finding my, finding my, finding what I liked and, and you know poking around because you definitely get influenced by your peers and yeah. in the prairies there's a lot of you know nickelback and like you know cheesy alt rock and stuff like that and the radio was very dominant back in the day like we had our own version of mtv, MTV called much music and much music was actually back in my day like in the early 2000s late 90s was actually like quite legit and they had a bunch of different shows that mm-hmm. helped open up different bands but yeah i i guess it was moving to a new place having more time and and then starting to find artists that i connected with you you've mentioned a couple times you're a big reader do you have favorite writers genres yeah i'm i definitely do i have been (laughs) i've been reading a lot of kind of weird horror the last couple years uh i have i just have a shelf on my my bookcase here of what have I been reading lately? I've been reading a lot of this guy, Robert Aikman. He was like an English short story writer. Okay. Wrote in, what was it? Thirties to fifties. He was really great. A new book I wrote recently by this guy, Nathan Ballingrud. He wrote a two really great books of short stories. Uh, One's called North American Lake Monsters. That's a really sweet book. Kind of like, like Raymond Carver meets like dark fantasy, like where they're like these kind of small slices of American life that sort of veer towards a darker side. And then there's like a sliver on the outside of it. There's like this kind of weird monster story going on, but interesting. part of the story is about these, is about the people. And then wounds is his second book. And that, that one of the stories in that got turned into like a Netflix movie of the same name, which I haven't seen. I've heard it's not, not great, but the book's amazing. So you 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 enjoy um, more of a dark fantasy horror. That's one area I really love. John Steinbeck is one of my main guys. Okay, I love him. Um, Ray Bradbury is another really big one for me. I've really come to love the writing of uh, George Saunders. Have you ever read him? 
in yeah. the 10th of December. He did a book called Lincoln and the Bardo that came out a couple years ago. Okay. That is really wild. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm more of a, a popcorn reader. Like um, now in high school, I adored Isaac Asimov. I, I, I found everything Isaac Asimov wrote, you know, collection of short stories, novels. Um, I just saw that Apple TV is going to do a series based on the foundation, yeah. uh, you know, trilogies. And I'm, I'm pumped yeah. about that. Um, and, and then I tend to go through series. Like I'm a big mystery. I, you know, I love mysteries like from Lawrence Block. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Robert Parker did the Spencer novels. Um, I did, there is Harlan Coben, who is a huge Springsteen fan mm-hmm. to some series. And one of his, um, series is, um, he ends uh, this, this sports agent gets involved with mysteries and that's done a whole series. And then, um, I grew up reading comic books. So I adore like, um, Peter David, who has written a lot of science fiction, not only Star Trek novels, but just anything at all. Robert Heinlein, adored Robert Heinlein. Oh, yeah. um, I certainly done my share of Bradbury. Um, Bradbury's a little harder to read. Like, like Asimov was very easy reading and Bradbury illustrated man, you know, um, you know, the Martian Chronicles, you know, ah, Rom. Yes. Rom. Yeah, absolutely. I am almost, I am, 17 issues away from a full run. I've been collecting it for years. Nice. My, it's like such a random, I love comics. The two, two shelves are just comics. Yeah. That's cool. And, so, and Asimov, also great. I just read, my dad loved Foundation. I just yeah. read Foundation a few years ago and it it's great. Like the writing in it's so crisp and like yeah. it really draws you in in a way that I thought, because I just, you know, I would go to secondhand bookshops all the time and like yeah. there's insane how much you know, Asimov wrote two books just talking about like his favorite books of the Bible, something crazy yeah. like that. Yeah, and, and and was an atheist, right? Yeah. Like you know, you know, um, it, it is. They are hard to find, but he wrote a couple of autobiographies that share about his life and story. And um, <laughs> I often quote. Uh, we talked beforehand uh, about the Mary question, and I quote often. Um, Asimov talked about in one of his autobiographies that he was giving a lecture and he was talking about a short story and he, he explained what the short story was about. And the person in the audience raised their hand and said, Dr. Asimov, I think you're mistaken. That isn't what the story is about. And, you know, Isaac looks and goes, I wrote the story. I think I know what it's about. And the reader said, Dr. Asimov, just because you wrote it, what makes you think you know what it's about? And he said, you're right. And and so I always think about that when someone will say, like, if you could ask Bruce, the Bruce, if you asked Bruce the Mary question, you would have the answer. I'm like, not necessarily, because that's just, that's what Bruce was intending. That doesn't necessarily mean that is the answer. Um, one more comic question. Did you uh, yeah. lock and key? Have you read that mini series? That's the series that uh, Joe Hill, Stephen King's son wrote. Oh yeah. I read, I, uh, I read the whole thing. It's great. I mean, I am not normally, I, I am a horror light person, but that is such a well done series. It, it's, it's just a beautiful comic book series. It's just a great. That's, that's cool. If you, uh, you know, we can move on from the, the books. Yeah. I, 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 I felt like I stepped on your Bradbury comment for a minute, just with my excitement to share Rom. But I, I agree, just to quickly comment on that. I think yeah. one of the great things about Bradbury, but also one of the things that makes him a bit challenging sometimes, is that he, he was an extremely poetic writer. Yes. So his writing is very descriptive and at times you can almost say flowery. I don't, it, when it's not done, when he's not doing it well, it's flowery, but most yeah. of the time it's very descriptive and beautiful and like poetic. And he, especially like, have you read Dandelion Wine? Yes. To me that captures the, how, when we would cross the border and go to the States and visit family in like New England, yeah. it's, it made me feel, it, it's so nostalgic, but it also made me feel reminiscent of my own childhood but also like in a weird way like like kind of like that 
great idea of America, like that, that, you know, tranquil small town where kids are getting into mischief. Like, you know, Stephen King writes a lot of, like, I think a lot of his stuff is kind of like that idea, like Stand By, yes. like, like Stand by Me makes you feel. I feel like Bradbury can capture that. Well. Yeah, and and then I guess let's go ahead and do the C, right? Um, Arthur C. Clarke. I, I loved Arthur C. Clarke as a kid, you know, the, you know, Asimov, Bradbury Clarke, the ABCs of science fiction. And then, um, and I also think, you know, I mentioned, um, I think if someone asked me, and I promise listeners we're going to get back to Bruce and music. But if someone said, define me science fiction, um, I would give them Robert Heinlitz, have spacesuit, will travel. And say, here, read this short story. Read this story. This is what science fiction is. And uh, I, I love that. That's you, you, have a, you have a diverse taste, and that's kind of cool. Thank you. What, okay, and, and one last thing I'd say, and then we'll move on, but Joe Hill – yeah. If you like Lock and Key, he had a short story collection come out, I think, like fall last year, like fall yeah. 2019 called Full Throttle. Yeah. And there's, it's amazing. And there's a one, there's a short story in there that's very sci-fi-esque, kind of, um, yeah. kind of like, uh, what's the, that AI, like yeah. the Spielberg movie that Kubrick yeah. was supposed to do. And then he's got a story called Fawn. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say anything about it, but like, I literally, I don't, I've only done this a couple times in my life, but yeah. I got that book out of the library. I started reading Fawn before bed, put it down, couldn't sleep, got out of bed, put my blanket around and like, like, I think got a snack and like finished the whole story. And it's like a long story and like just sat at my table. Yeah. I just have to finish reading this. That's, like, that's awesome. It's like, it's, it's like a dark it's hard. I, I don't know. This won't. I guess this won't give too much away. But it's like, um, uh, actually, I won't say anything. Just go yeah. check out Fawn. Okay, I will. That, that story blew me clean right. away. I will. Okay, that sounds good. So um, back to music. You're 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 now going to school. You're meeting friends. You're mm-hmm. you know you're getting other things. Um, when did Bruce enter the picture? So. Bruce entered the picture for me after university. So I didn't really get into Bruce in a big way until I was 20, 21. I went through a phase in high school and university where I was going to a ton of shows, loved music, um, was listening to a lot of like, pulled up a couple of examples here, but like MXPX. Yeah. Five Iron Frenzy was a band that I loved. Uh, Not any of the new cheesy stuff, but like, I love this like saves the day, this like early fall up boy record, like yeah. pop punk and like uh-huh. hardcore were my, my go-tos. And in the prairies, even there were, there were a ton of shows. Like you'd go to like uh, a local, like, you know, like ice rink that in the yeah. summer is not being used and they'd have sh- local shows going on. And, and it was great. It was a cool, like passionate little community. And then when I graduated university, I had a realization that I was listening to a lot of, some music that's really stuck with me that I thought was great, but then also a lot of music that I felt was um, some of it a bit shallow in the sense that I was, I was looking for more. Like I hadn't, I didn't feel like I was listening to a lot of stuff that was pushing me very much. And a professor of mine uh, had me over to his house and he collected seventies and sixties stereo equipment and had a crazy record collection and he sold me my first setup and gave me a few records. And then I started going record shopping with um, a couple of buddies of mine. And that's how I came across Bruce. I, I bought Darkness on the Edge of Town and that, you know, just blew me away. And I was, I knew, like, I liked Bruce. I, I knew some of his songs, but I didn't get into him in earnest until I bought a record player and started getting some of those albums and really listening to them. That was around the same time I really got into Tom Waits as well. Okay. And, and that was just one, like, I, I think part of it for me too, is that Bruce hit me in a way where he, there, there was so much going on that I enjoyed the musicianship, but I'm also, um, you know, like as we've referenced with the books, I'm a big lyrics guy, like melody and all that's very important, but sure. I really focus a lot on the lyrics and Bruce's, the stories and his songs just, really captivated me and the I would say especially like when you're in your early 20s and you're seeking identity and you're seeking sort of these shining lights of you know 
masculinity. Bruce was one where I really felt like if I could pattern myself after someone, I would want to pattern myself after Bruce Springsteen. Like he became like an uncle to me in a way, as much as like someone I wanted to emulate as much as I just wanted to listen to his music. I also felt like who he was as a person was something that I felt really drawn to. It's, you know, cause my question usually is what about drove to him, but you've done a really good job explaining to that. Um, as you started listening to him, um, I don't know about you, but to put it in connection of readers, right? When I find a new writer that I love, I go, you know, now it's Amazon, but back in the day, it was used bookshops and looking for whatever I could find, you know, writers of this guy. Like, I want to know everything I can, you know, written by this person. Um, did you do that with Bruce? Did you go start searching through his catalog or you just slowly worked your way through that? You've got, you know, you were talking about Darkness, you were talking about other albums. Uh, yeah, it was more of a, I needed to get my hands on a ton of stuff and for me like I, I bought records pretty slowly but i also bought cds like i remember buying darkness was one i had on cd as well as mm. on on wax and i would listen to that all the time like that was the one i listened to the most because even still my car only has a cd player so right definitely get a lot of spinning i actually it was funny i just like last year i bought i found human touch and lucky town in cd mm-hmm. so i never really spent a lot of time with those records and and there's some like pretty legit songs in there like is is one that i've um like secret garden yeah that's a that's a sexy track like that's a track that i'm apparently so and this is a slight side trail but did you hear about how he recorded a whole album of songs like that and scrapped it like never released it yes i've 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 heard yes i've heard that story i mean i i believe there is there are, it feels like based on interviews and the comments, right, there could be hundreds of songs like in a vault that, um, you know, 50 years from now, they're going to be releasing uh, like um, after Johnny Cash died, there were a couple of more American, uh, you know, records, you know, from that, Mm -hmm. in that theory that they put out. I wonder sometimes if, if, you know, Bruce's, you know, grandkids are like, okay, Hey, here's a vault. Here's 20 songs we can put out from granddad. So. I know. I I hope he, I mean, it sounds like he's open to releasing, like you said, with some of the interviews he's doing letter to you. He's saying like, I got a lot of stuff. Yeah. He was down. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear that era of Bruce, especially because he was really trying to find himself. And so like, yes, kind of play around with like, you know, like synths and like, like even like right. the garden is, is awesome. And like, yeah, but I'm, I'm just like, I would love to hear like a set, like I really love sad Frank Sinatra um, songs. Right. And I'd love to hear like mid nineties, sad Bruce. Like if there's a record in the vault of that, that would just be. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm on record. Better days is one of my favorite songs of his. So that's from that era. I think that's, you know, that's a song that just has a lot of personal meaning to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I know their discussion that uh, you can kind of tell when he released the promise box that, that he was going through a doo-wop phrase and wanted to do, you know, mm-hmm. more of that. And that would have been really interesting to see. Um, and I do think that you could, um, it's easy for us to money morning quarterback. I'm right. Like you could take human touch, lucky town, make it one CD and go, wow, here we have a really, you know, strong CD, but you know, he wanted to put out two CDs and my, I, I say this now, especially, but you know, as much, he has nothing to prove to anyone. And so if he wants to put out an album uh, like Western stars, go for it. I adore it. If he wants to get the band together and spend five days recording and not spend a lot of time in overproduction and they just want to get together and jam, mm-hmm. go for it. You know, like uh, I'm, I'm just glad at 71, he's still wanting to produce and, and make new music. Yeah. Maybe he'll bring back this, uh, that sweet chain. Too. Yeah, there we go. Yes, absolutely. Uh- <laughs> it's also like, you don't have better days. Cause I didn't, I forgot that was the first track on lucky town because remember he spent like two or three years working on this and then yeah. he got like unblocked and then did like 
I think Lucky Town in like two weeks or something. Yeah, something. Yeah, it's and just so, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Arguably, yeah. I think the better of the two, Lucky Town. That's the stronger, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, I think absolutely. Um, so I always like to preface this with um, the amount of times you've seen Bruce perform live is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are, depending on where you live, depending on your age, depending on your economic situation. You may never have seen him. Um, and there's other people that have seen him 200 times. So have you got mm-hmm. to see him live? I'm very, I'm very happy to say I've, I've seen him twice. Okay. Both times he's coming to Vancouver. I've, I've had the pleasure of, of seeing him. I saw him for the first time in, I believe it was 2008. I didn't pull out my, my ticket stubs. Yeah. But he was touring, I believe he was touring Magic. It was or between kind of when Magic came out and Working on a Dream came out. Right. In Vancouver. And so me and my brother went to that show, which was sweet. We, uh, he, I think he bought the tickets and he mistakenly bought two separate seats. So we were both sitting alone, uh, <laughs> but we had a great time watching the show and, Obviously, Bruce is just like, you know, puts on an incredible show. That was the the vest era, I think of, like when Bruce just yes. loved wearing that vest. And he I, did. It, it bugged me a little bit because I was like, Bruce, like, you have you have some of the greatest style in rock and roll. Why are you just resorting to this vest every day? But I was like, well, you know, it's Bruce. He can do what he wants. But uh, so I got to see him on that, that era. And then he toured Vancouver again. In, and I meant to look it up because I have a couple photos of it. I think it was 2013. Uh-huh. I want to say maybe 2014. And I saw him play uh, Rogers Arena here. Yeah. Are you looking it up? Maybe. Bruce yeah, I'm, I'm going to My Boss Time this year. Okay. I don't know if you know about My Boss Time. My Boss Time? No. Uh, yeah. My Boss Time is a website that um is crazy I, I you know elko who does it is um talking about labor of love it has every show bruce has ever done what? and so for example um i have attended 16 shows oh, wow. and um and so you go you go to the head and you can it will then tell you which what song you've heard the most what are rarities for you uh so yes so um yeah it is uh especially if you've gone multiple times so let's see um so vancouver you said right yeah so he has played vancouver seven times um and uh let's see there's seven concerts and um let's see the first one was in 78 and the last one was in 2012 so 2012 when i went to yeah yeah and so um and he's played 179 songs played in the uh the country and 111 of them are different just so you know yeah this is it is the crazy it 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 is a rabbit hole that uh you won't go like for me the only song i've heard every time i've seen him is the rising not born to run not badlands uh that you know so it's uh so it's just it's it's a fun database that uh, Elko from Sweden puts together, and it's free. Absolutely do it. So I recommend anytime I, I have someone new that's like, yeah, I think I've gone, you know, ten or twelve times, but I can't remember exactly. You go, you can look up the shows, you can look, and you'll go, yep, that's it, and save it, and then I'll tell you the database, and then also like if you've gotten like a rarity. So like I, it turned out he's not played the wall very often and I got I was lucky he played it at one of the shows I went to and I had no idea that he didn't play it that often someone requested had made this crazy sign one woman and he played that which apparently yeah that's got to be a rarity yeah that's that's awesome yeah I think even said it on stage he's like all right yeah play that yeah that's funny all right so I gotta talk a little bit so you mentioned your podcast album versus album share a little bit about it um 
you know, it sounds like you're, sounds like you're doing it with a friend of yours. So talk to me, why did you guys decide to do this and give us, you know, the, the elevator pitch on that. You kind of mentioned that a little bit, but reshare what you guys are doing with the podcast. Totally. Yeah, thanks, Jesse. So Album versus Album is a podcast for anyone who loves music and also loves hearing friends and other musicians talk about why they love something. So I think listeners of the show would undoubtedly enjoy it. We do a fair mix of stuff. The tagline for our show is uh, Album versus Album, a podcast about music and friendship. Lucas and I, for a little quick backstory, Lucas used to be in um, a band that almost had a big breakthrough, but they were a great Canadian band called The Februaries. Okay. Way back in the day, I uh, designed some merch for them. And when I first became friends with Lucas, he was the lead singer and songwriter of that band. Still a very talented musician. He's working on a EP that's almost ready to come out. Um, but they had a very interesting rise and rise and fall they got signed to wind up at one point and they were poised to have this big record come out in the mid-2000s and they uh the record label wanted one more single and they never really decided on what the single would be and luckily they got their masters back and they got let out of their contract but um by the time when the record had it come out at the right time and been given a bit of a push they could have you know done they could have been huge and it's not anything that, you know, I think any of them, like they all had a great experience with the band and they wrote these great songs and music's always been a big part of, of Lucas's life. And he also is very handy. Um, he is a manager at a construction company and he helped me reno my apartment a couple years ago. And we've always been super close buds. And when he was helping me, would run on my place we were just hanging out for hours and we would talk about music a lot and we just felt like hey we should it'd be fun if we could just have a reason to do this more often and so we decided to start the podcast so we could pick records that some were well known some that aren't and talk about how where they stand in the artist catalog and why someone should care about them but also if you're a fan of them finding things about them that people would find interesting. And I think we're both, we have, Luke's has like a super fun outgoing personality. I think we balance each other quite well. And then we also are bringing in guests. So we have only, we've, we've got eight episodes out so far with a lot planned and we're looking to do kind of a mix of guests, especially like we just had a, a our friend in um, musicians, guy Jerome Clausen on, who's super talented, uh, artist and so we're going to try and do a mix of uh, people we know that we think are interesting and then also uh, kind of musicians as well to either duke out records or talk about a record that they love and um, we've got different little segments we do and I think it's a fun experience if you enjoy hearing people talk about music with a bit of structure a bit of laughter and uh, you know and and a few bits of research that might you might hear something new about the record you didn't know yeah um so i i i was telling you before we hit record i i went to your um you know website your and i and i was like oh let me look and i go oh, simon and garfunkel i love simon and garfunkel and listening so i'm listening to the bridge over trouble water episode and i really enjoyed y'all's take on it not only you know you you guys do a great job of giving the background of simon and garfunkel you discuss a lot of the you know kind of the personalities of what you understood and you guys are going through uh the music and and i think it's been a lot of fun and it does feel like i'm just hanging out with a couple of uh friends you know just talking music yeah the idea would be like essentially like you're there having a beer with us is the, is the vibe. So I'm glad that it, that it came across that way, Jesse. And thank you for checking out that episode. That's very, yeah. Very How cool. do you pick your albums? How do you guys decide which one you're going to talk about? So it's been a mix right now. We are surprising each other at the end of an episode. Mm -hmm. So Lucas surprised me with Casey Musgraves, which we did a couple episodes ago. I, I put, 
uh, the one we just recorded actually last night we're doing um king cruel who's this like artist from the uk who's like, okay. got this like cement mixer vo- voice which i okay. read in the review that i thought was great but he's awesome he's like the south london kid that's like using like hip-hop and punk jazz which i didn't even realize was a real genre and and he's just got he's like a and, and jazz like an actual jazz it's like he's like this and he's got this voice like he was 19 when he released his first uh, debut record and it's this crazy deep nice like it's wild like he's like skinny redheaded kid and he's got a voice like it's like tom almost like not i wouldn't say like tom waits per se but like that kind of resonance and just grit like it's it's, yeah. a, it's crazy good and um our next episode we're doing we did a mini episode recently as well and then the next episode we're doing is wilco yankee hotel foxtrot uh with okay. a friend of ours who is an uh an actor and a playwright and then we'll kind of pick so we'll surprise each other with some and then with some we will when we have a guest we'll maybe plan ahead with an episode with a an album or a duel that is like in line with something they like and also something we're interested in, in talking about. So you're fairly young in this. You're fairly new. Um, first off, congratulations. Most podcasts don't get past uh, five or six episodes. So good job. We're doing well. Um, I don't know. Um, there's a guy named Terry Smith who does a great podcast called Music Talks. Um, he was on the podcast. He's a massive Springsteen fan and we were on the podcast and he loves to tell the story at the end of the conversation. Um, he said, Hey, before we hang up, do you have a couple minutes? And I go, sure. What's going on? And he says, well, you know, we're doing this stuff at the house right now. Um, I, I he's also into, um, high end stereo equipment. You know, he loves collecting that. And, and he, he says, I have the idea for a podcast, but I don't know if it would be a good idea. And the idea, and he's now just been a, doing a year, is you pick a song for every decade you've been alive. Hmm. So, like, I was born in 59, so I had to pick a song for in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, aughts, um, you know. And and that's the only rule. So, you know, like, people, but my favorite song of the decade? No, just you pick the song, it, whatever it is, and then you have a discussion about it. Um, and it led to a lot of really, it, it leads to a really great conversation and of really, you end up finding a lot about his guest by sharing that. So, um, and I think a little bit of yours has that flavor of it because not only are you sharing about the album, but in, in many cases, when you guys are picking the album, it has a personal connection to you. So you guys are sharing that. And I think that's a really nice thing. So good job. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's uh, yeah, I appreciate that you picked up on that. Yeah, usually, not every time, but there are, usually the record means something to someone. Right. So the personal connection, then it's interesting to form your own relationship to it. Yeah. If you haven't before and, and finding that balance of like, so I think you're right, like so much. And I think it's really cool that you're doing this and engaging with a lot of people because there is often this sort of resistance to also engaging in new music, I think after a certain yes. And that's, what's interesting is even for me, Bruce came along, apparently it's between 18 and 25. Jordan was saying this on our last episode that you're the most, um, your brain's the most open to new music. And it's like, you actually... Like, I, I, like it actually forms a certain path in your brain. Like there's a reason like the bands that you loved when you were like, you know, in university and in your early twenties, like are some of the biggest, yes. ones, like it really hits you. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, that one of the things I really admire um, about Terry is he is always looking for new music. And I tend to be, you know, I, I tend to be, um, pretty locked into my music um my my exploration is podcast i tend to always be looking for new podcasts and sample podcasts and if i um if i have a choice between playing music in the car or a podcast i usually listen to a podcast um unless it's a really long car trip and then i really love the music um 
so that's good. Well, good. I, I look forward to seeing where you guys take it and where you want to go. Do you, have you learned anything that you want? Like, have you, is there things that you go, okay, now that we've done this for a while, we, we, we want to do it this way now. Have you made some adjustments in the podcast? Every episode's gotten better for sure. Yeah. And this is a, a piece of advice I heard. And we didn't know this, but our, our buddy Curtis, he's a big um, podcast fan as well. He heard a talk from somebody, can't remember exactly who, but they were like his podcast expert. And they said, basically, if someone's like, hey, can you check out my podcast? He's like, sure. But the first episode should not be your first episode. He's like, you should do three episodes and toss them. And then the first episode you release should be your, your third or your fourth episode. So it's like your first but you should actually just toss the first few because he's like, if what I'm hearing is your first actual first episode, it's like you don't know what you actually want the podcast to be. And it takes a few episodes to figure that out. And that's the exact same thing that happened with me and Lucas. Like we just did, we did three episodes and we were still trying to figure out the flow and the format, which we're right. still honing. But now that like the, after those first few, we really started to dial into like, okay, like, we don't want this to be too structured, but it needs to have some structure. And then the more yeah. we do it, we're like, okay, we maybe need a little more structure. And then we know what we're working towards because we're, it's a bit more, it's not a super long form podcast. Like I'm, I know a guy, uh, this guy Josiah Hughes, he's got quite a popular uh, music podcast called Blink 155 where him and uh, this other guy uh, whose name we're blanking on, which is terrible, but he, they have both gone through every, they have a, two to three hour episode about every single blink 182 song mm. and they had 155 songs and then they released a record at one point while they were doing it and they're both very funny and they have had cr a crazy like a lineup of guests but they're they're insanely long form but they've they've got all these crazy inside jokes so all that to say interesting podcast if you want like a sort of a very esoteric blink 182 podcast that is yeah. bread and butter but um, for us, we were like, we don't want it. It's long, but we don't want it to be. Um, we don't want it to just sort of meander all over the place. Like we, right. we do quite a bit of editing, just to like try and just tighten it up. And we do a lot of. Um, I, I forget. I'm not sure there's the actual term, but we work a lot of music in. So we have a lot of music samples. So we have a section called Tasty Treats, where we'll okay. pick um, favorite musical points from the record, and I will work those in in the edit. And Lucas edits as well. We have Heroes and Zero, so it's like your favorite song your least favorite song first and worst your favorite lyrics your least favorite oh nice we do so for the duke it out episodes we have a kind of an opening round where we kind of like throw our ideas back and forth and uh then we usually end it with what you vibe in so it's just like stuff that we're into and talk a bit about that but we have we try and keep it so say for the radiohead episode we just did we had a flow where we talk about our personal experience with it what's our background so for radiohead lucas and uh jordan had a lot of experience in high school. And I talked about my high school experience as well because I was aware of Radiohead, but they never ended up becoming one of my bands. So we told huh. some of our personal history with it. And then that moves into the sort of duke it out section into Tasty Treats, Heroes and Zeros and, and what have you. So you can kind of like, when, if you've listened to a couple, you kind of know what's uh, kind of know what's coming. So then yeah. that way, I think it creates a bit more interest because then you you know it, you'll, you'll get this at a certain point. Here's the end of the first part of my discussion with Kale. Uh, come back tomorrow for the second half. Uh, for now, be safe, take care. Remember to socially distance, wash your hands, and wear a mask. You know I love you. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlustingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Brew shirts, as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially.
We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, that listing Bruce. Set Listing Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.